Welcome to the NIHR Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, in association with Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world. Hello, and welcome to another podcast brought to you by the NIHR Dementia Researcher website. My name is Megan O'Hare, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast today. But I'd like to be a bit cheeky and take a few minutes to do some shameless promotion about our website, dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk. We add new content every day, blogs discussing people's research and their careers, a full dementia and research events planner, details of all upcoming funding opportunities and lots more. So register today and you'll get a short weekly news roundup email each Friday. It doesn't matter if you're in the UK or elsewhere in the world as there is something there for everyone. So back to the podcast. Um, We've previously discussed the importance of PPI, patient and public involvement, and I think we can all agree that it adds value to research, is of benefit to all who participate, researchers, people living with dementia and their carers, and basically is generally an initiative to encourage. But today we're going to look at it at a slightly different angle and discuss PPI in biomedical research. So PPI is often associated with clinical trials and social care research, but but there is a growing trend of involving patients and public in more lab-based projects. So I'd like to welcome our panel today. We have Claire Lancaster, Martina Bocchetta and Lindsay Sinclair. And I should also just sort of add at this moment that we've got Lindsay Sinclair joining us on Skype. This is a very exciting moment for our podcast. We're trying something new. Uh, so we're, so excuse the level slightly, although Patrick, our wonderful AV guy, is doing a really good job at doing the levels. So uh, let's start with some roundtable introduction. Maybe, Lindsay, we can start with you. So my name is Dr Lindsay Sinclair and I'm a clinical research fellow in psychiatry at the University of Bristol. What that means is that I spend about half of my time seeing patients and the other half of my time in the lab doing a variety of different research projects. My main research interest is in the complicated relationship between depression and dementia. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, Martina? Hello, my name is Martina Bocchetta, and I'm a senior research fellow working at the Dementia Research Centre, UCL. My work focuses on detecting changes in brain structures using neuroimaging in the different forms of frontotemporal dementia. I have literally just started an Alzheimer's Society fellowship looking at how these changes occur in the earliest uh, stages in the genetic forms of FTD. Okay, great. Thank you. And Claire? Uh, my name is Claire Lancaster. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Oxford. Um, so I'm a psychologist by background, and my research has looked at kind of genetic risk factors for dementia early in the lifespan. Um, I now work on a digital phenotyping project where we try and um, design kind of smartphone-based tasks to help us pick up um, the first kind of cognitive symptoms of dementia. And I'm just about to start an Alzheimer's Society fellowship. Congratulations. <laughs> um, so. Hopefully all of you have got first-hand experience of using PPI when you're writing your grants or in your research. Uh, Could you tell us a bit more about your experiences? So I tend to look at brain scans rather than interacting with patients. We have a fantastic group at the DRC um, who recruit participants. My first direct experience with PPI was um, when I was writing my uh, proposal for um, the Alzheimer's Society Fellowship. 
So I really want to improve the project and I want to get it right. So I thought that um, by um, trying to get feedback from patients and carers would be a great idea to improve it. Um, so I asked my supervisor at our centre to help me to get in contact with patients and participants. So I had the opportunity to discuss my proposal with uh, three fantastic volunteers um, who read um, and gave me um, lots of feedbacks. Um, so that was really um, very helpful for me. Did those volunteers then go on to be part of your study or they were completely separate? To they, the were, study? they were separate. Um, they were involved in other studies at the Manchester mm-hmm. Centre. Okay, and they weren't recommended to you from the Alzheimer's Society network. That was through your own centre. Yeah. Okay. Um, Claire? Um, so I've done quite a lot of PPI work. Um, so on my kind of postdoctoral work at the moment, where we build the smartphone-based tasks, um, we kind of do iterative PPI where we bring people in from a range of backgrounds and they actually help us design the tasks Um, because this is really important because they're kind of remote tools so like for instance um, one of our tasks asks people to swipe and it's only when we did PPI that we realised that not everybody knew what a smartphone swipe was and that we had to kind of include a little video so it's really kind of important for us kind of fine-tuning our research design Um, and on my more recent um, grant proposal um, which is more kind of neuroimaging kind of um, pharmacological um, work. Um, I visited some of the Alzheimer's Society memory cafes and carer groups to kind of get their input on the research protocol and the kinds of issues and kind of concerns they might have about the kind of research I was completing um, and whether it was kind of important to them and whether they thought it had like a potential to help people or not. And um, Lindsay? So my first formal involvement was during the writing of my Alzheimer's Society Junior Fellowship application which I started three weeks ago Um, and I asked the Alzheimer's Society Lane Network to give me some feedback on my application. They have this super handy scheme where if you're organised enough you can send in your application in advance and get some comments on it and that was really really helpful for thinking about my dissemination plans and the phrasing but particularly the lay summary of my project. Um, And I had tried to organise things more locally before my application went in, but as so often happens, it all happened afterwards. Mm. So I went to talk to a local PPI group about my project two weeks ago, which was a really interesting experience because I spoke to them just after somebody doing a clinical trial. And it was obvious that there was a difference between how the group received the information and discussion about the clinical trial versus my much more biomedical project. I would also add that because I've seen so many patients over the years, I've heard lots and lots of patient views about research, but that wasn't really formal PPI. So when you say biomedical in your context, you said Mm. you are looking at the link between depression and dementia. So are you actually lab-based with pipettes and... Okay, and so something I was reading about when I was looking at um, involving, you know, PPI involvement in biomedical research was actually bringing people into a lab. Has anyone got any experience of that? So our brain bank, the Southwest Dementia Brain Bank in Bristol, has a series of tours that we do, essentially when our brain bank technicians have enough time. Um, So we've had members of the public in, we've had the Mayor of Bristol in before now, um, healthcare professionals, 
And generally, people go away um, just really impressed by the work that we're doing. But also, just by the two pots that we have with the normal brain and the Alzheimer's affected brain, that seems to speak to people on a very visceral level about exactly what this disease is and how much of a brain disorder it is. After that, I wonder, do does interest in taking part in research go up, do you think? Do you think people are more keen once they sort of, you know, actually see it for themselves? I think so, but I don't have any direct evidence. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Martina and Claire, you both actually have done neuroimaging, are currently doing neuroimaging. So that's more of, is that more of a diagnostic tool than a, you know, treatment plan? can be both. Um, so what I'm currently doing now is trying to identify the changes at very um, early stages. So it's sort of trying to see whether we can um, predict the development of some sort of um, dementia in, in a way. Because I guess the thing with why PPI is important in clinical trials is that it will really very much impact people's lives. So you want to have a say in it. You want to talk about the safety of the drug and how these trials are run. But when you're looking at you know, very early in diagnostic, there can be a removal for people, you know, they're not directly going to benefit from this. Um, do, have you had anyone comment on that? Or are they just as keen to be involved? Um, they are really keen to be involved. So um, the aim of my project would be to develop markers that may be useful in clinical trials to have a, a sort of measurable um, um, index for seeing whether a drug is working or not. So people are really keen in having something that we can use for clinical trial and see whether drugs are working or not. Mm -hmm. And Claire, you said you did neuroimaging or doing it now. I'm about to start doing <laughs> neuroimaging. Um, but no, I found people were still kind of really engaged with the research, even for it was just kind of looking at kind of risk markers early in life. Um, people kind of really understand the importance of early life kind of prevention and intervention mm. um, and so they were still really happy to engage with the ideas I think. And did you actually did you say you sent your grant to them to sort of review in a way? And I did um, so like Lindsay I contacted the kind of lay review group at Alzheimer's Society and got some kind of really helpful feedback and I also um, took my proposal to the memory cafes um, in Oxford um, so kind of giving people a chance to kind of review the proposal um, and give their feedback was really useful. And you actually used the <laughs> input. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so some of the kind of key things that came up, because I'm giving a drug to healthy people in my fellowship and some of their kind of advice on how to present the information and what kind of concerns people would have and what kind of questions they'd have were really, really um, useful. Okay, and I think, Lindsay, you said you also have got people involved in sort of the other end of it, so the dissemination. Is that right? Yeah, so when I went to talk to our local public um, patient um, advisory group, I was trying to get their views on essentially dissemination because I thought that was probably one of the weaker bits of my research plan um, because we all know about doing press releases and publications and all that kind of thing. But I wanted to try and do something a bit more inventive that would actually um, enable the public to find out a bit more. Um, but I think the overall feedback from the group was that they were more interested in the details of my project at this stage 
and that they'd prefer me to come back and talk about dissemination later on. Not so right. Back from maternity leave, they've invited me back. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, we should also say Lindsay is on Skype because she's very, very much pregnant. And in fact, when this is released, she hopefully will have had the baby. So. <laughs> So the dissemination would be part the way through. You wouldn't wait until the end. They don't want you to come back with a report and then, do you see what I mean? It's more, they just wanted to get the details at the beginning and then part the way through the project to go back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, So is it an easy relationship working with people outside of your field of work? That question has come across as incredibly arrogant. I didn't mean it to be like that, but... um, um, in fact, Claire, you sort of talked as if they, you know, the PPI was actually giving you a lot more input and almost, in a way, education about how clinical trials work. Yeah. Is that how you found it to be? I think it's definitely super useful to speak to people outside of your field of work because um, it can be quite easy to get kind of stuck in a little research bubble and you only talk to people who are, say, um, kind of working in the area or have kind of a direct um, relationship with the area so kind of getting a wider range of inputs is really um, important especially if you're going to be trying to recruit people to take part in your studies um, from a wide range of backgrounds so getting their input is very educational yeah a lot to learn. <laughs> and Martina have you found a similar thing or Absolutely. did you find you had to in a way there's a bit of back and forth education isn't it you talk about your project they it's, it's a two-way communication for mm-hmm. sure. And what it helped me understand was the idea that you need to change your uh, perspective in a way. So you need to move from thinking about the details of a project to more of an overall and global um, goal. And um, what it also taught me was the ability to think outside the box. So, for instance, while I was writing my proposal, um, I was being very, you know, um, structured and very formal and very, you know, kind of scientific in, in a way. And then the feedback that I received from people who was, were reading my proposal were, why don't you add colors? Why don't you add boxes or figure? And my first reaction was that, no, that's wrong. You cannot do that in science. But actually, when I submitted the proposal, um, all the reviewers were like, oh, that's good. That's a great idea. It's, it's good. To, it's, it's more um, helpful in a way. So that was that's really important. Not just the lay summary, that was the whole... The whole, applic- yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a really useful tip, everyone. <laughs> um, uh, so what strategies, what other strategies could be used to implement PPI and decision-making on biomedical research, do you think? Um, maybe adding questionnaire or really ask the patient and participant how they will feel like to contribute, what do they think they can um, help to kind of... Um, help them to have to be heard and to have their saying and you said you got yours through your center is that right um but claire you use the alzheimer's society yeah network yeah and i think Lindsay, did you say a similar thing yeah i think that's quite big isn't it the alzheimer's society network Mm -hmm. um but it's good that you were able to i should mention that i also asked the alzheimer's society (laughs) for the for via their uh, development grant application yeah good um Okay, so what challenges have you found with doing it? I mean, we've talked very positively, and it is a very positive thing, but have there been any challenges with involving the patient and public in your research design? 
Um, so for me, the main challenge was language. So I'm not an English native speaker, as you may have noticed. Um, so the odd thing for me is that everyone was telling me, you know, you need to try to explain everything in simple term. You need to use, um, avoid the jargon. While for me, because I learned English from a very scientific background while I was working in Italy. So for me, trying to find the Another way to express a term was really difficult. So for me, atrophy was the only way to, to, to mean loss of volume. So for me, that was really difficult. Um, so it was the interaction with um, the general population that helped me to understand which other way I could express um, a term or a concept. Okay, Claire? Um, so I guess one of the main challenges I found was making sure that I kind of gave people enough time and information to kind of digest the research ideas to then be able to kind of comment on it effectively. Um, and I think another challenge we face quite a lot in the kind of digital phenotyping project is a lot of PPI is done in kind of panel discussions. Um, and it's quite hard to kind of interact with multiple people at once if you want them to try out something, say, on their smartphone and kind of watch. So we found that kind of organising face-to-face, like one-on-one sessions was much more helpful, but actually kind of setting that up was quite challenging. Yes, yeah, so that a bit was different. in preparation to write a grant. So that's obviously, you were doing that. When were you doing that? In your other job? Or? Yeah, so this is my current work. Um, and that's been kind of going on kind of for the last three years. Um, so kind of, we do PPI quite regularly in that role. Okay, so this wasn't in preparation for the grant. It wasn't extra on top mm-hmm. of... Okay. And um, Lindsay? Um, So I would say that the main challenge is that my fellowship is part epidemiology and part lab-based work. So it's a really long way away from the clinical trials that PPI groups would normally comment on. So I think because it was so different, it took them a little while to get their heads around it, which is fine. And maybe I could have explained this a bit better. But also they just seemed a bit less interested in it. In clinical trials, I suspect maybe because it didn't, uh, wasn't going to affect them so directly or they weren't sure what input they could provide. So I definitely got the feeling that they were less engaged with what I was talking to them about than they had been with the questionnaire design that they were helping with just before I started talking to them. But had you taken these people on the tour of the lab or this was separate to doing... Uh, so this is a separate PPI group that's being set up specifically by the Memory Research Group, Remember Group at the University of Bristol. So most of what they do is clinical trials and the occasional bit of epidemiology. So I suspect mine was the first lab-based project that, I'd ever, that they'd ever heard about. I think we've sort of covered some top tips, but do you have any other top tips for ECR, especially lab-based ones? I guess, Lindsay, you've sort of talked about the challenges, but uh, also that could be used, you know, positively. Take them on a lab tour, maybe that would really start to engage with biomedical science. Have you got any other top tips for ECRs? Martina? So for me would be to be prepared. So there are lots of very um, well-made workshops, for instance, some organized by NITIR, which are about um, involving patient and and participant into research. They are very good and they give you lots of tips. And there is also a website called Involved with lots of information about which term to use and how to organize uh, different activities. Okay, Claire? 
Um, I guess I'd say start early. Um, so the sooner you can get kind of people involved in your kind of research design, the kind of sooner you can take their feedback on board and also try and think outside the box slightly. So um, I think it's really important to kind of include people from different backgrounds in your research. And that possibly involves thinking kind of outside of kind of like the NHS PPI panels in thinking about more diverse audiences who might be interested. I guess because we sort of talked a little bit about you've all used the Alzheimer's Society Network in a way that's quite a chosen population Mm -hmm. in itself. That's people already engaged wanting to, you know, but I mean, this is always the challenge, isn't it? How do you engage people who don't want to be engaged or Mm -hmm. find them or reach out? So I guess... Yeah, if you leave enough time and make enough contacts, maybe you can Mm -hmm. diversify who you're asking. Um, Do do you find, Lindsay, that you could maybe use your clinical half of your job to fulfil that (laughs) criteria of diversity? So I always talk to my clinical colleagues about my research, and usually they're polite enough to at least feign interest and give me some comments. Um... I suppose because a lot of the time, um, being an audio psychiatrist, you go and see people in care homes who have behavioural problems or people who are very depressed. It can be quite hard because you need to maintain a focus on why they come to see you. Um, But definitely, if it was appropriate, um, then then I would look at doing that. Um, I would agree with Claire about starting early, by the way. Um, because I looked at lots of different sources of PPI and the first group I looked at only met twice a year. Um, So you definitely have to allow time and look at lots of different places where you can get PPI advice from. And now I know where to look. There's lots of really good things at University of Bristol and I've even got a video that I would like to shamelessly hawk from a um, health improvement team and the the HIT team, um, which is talking about getting involved in dementia research. So there's lots of fab stuff going on. You just need time to find out about it and how to get involved. Okay, well, share whatever you have so that then we can share to other people. That would be great. Um, Is that specifically in Bristol or is that uh, nationwide? It's fairly generic, but it's specifically for Bristol. Okay, great. Well, thank you all for today. This has been really interesting. I'd like to thank our panellists, Claire, Martina and Lindsay on Skype. And if you have anything you'd like to add on this topic, please do post your comments in the forum on our website or drop us a line on Twitter using hashtag ECRDementia. We have profiles on all today's panellists on our website and hopefully we'll find the link to Lindsay's video and all the resources that you have. And finally, please remember to subscribe and leave a review on this podcast through iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Thank you. Brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk in association with Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society, supporting early career dementia researchers across the world.